Hey, Love Tribe, get excited for another great episode with Chase and our special guest. But before we start, I wanted to remind you about our amazing and free 14-day happy couple challenge. I don't know about you, but with the upcoming holidays, I'm feeling this hectic energy and I'm craving some grounding, fun, and meaningful connection with my partner. So whether you've been with your partner for many years and you're needing to mix things up or you're a newly coupled and you're looking to dive in to learn more about each other, the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge is perfect for anyone wanting to deepen their relationship and have fun while doing it. So head on over to our website to sign up. You can start connecting deeper physically and emotionally today over at idopodcast.com slash 14 with our simple, easy, and doable daily challenges arriving straight into your inbox daily. This free 14-Day Challenge will help you break the old habits and build new engaging habits that will push you to create a deeper intimacy with your partner. Sign up today for free for the 14-Day Happy Couple Challenge to start strengthening and improving your relationship today. Head on over to idopodcast.com slash 14. That's idopodcast.com slash 14 to sign up for our free challenge today. What's going on, guys? Hey, thanks so much for joining in to today's show where we interviewed Sabrina Coronan. And Sabrina is a family law attorney and founder and managing partner of the Coronan Law Firm. She's been running her own full-service law firm for the last decade and is now expanding her work into the realm of family coaching. And her work aims to provide families navigating the waters of separation, divorce, and co-parenting with a roadmap that they likely would not have otherwise. And Sabrina, through her work, obviously has a unique perspective of people, individuals, couples in conflict or in not. You know, she's helps with prenuptial agreements and we get into that. So we're excited to talk to Sabrina about these things through her perspective. And, and as I said, we talk about prenups. We talk about how to talk about those. That's a tricky conversation. We talk about expectations in the relationship, especially before getting married, communication, compromise, respect, and blended families. So Sarah and I really enjoyed this conversation and we hope you guys too. And at the very end, Sabrina did mention one area that she recommends couples really looking into to understand their partner, and that is the five love languages. And we talk about it often on the show, but sometimes I feel like we don't talk about it enough because it's so important. And we actually created a whole lesson on understanding the five love languages with your partner. Um, and that's in our course, sparkmyrelationship.com. And you can access $100 off the course for our podcast listeners by going to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's to get $100 off. So we hope you guys check it out and we hope you guys enjoy today's episode. 
Before we jump into today's interview, we want to tell you about our online course, Spark My Relationship. Do you guys want to create more passion, improve your communication, and build a stronger, more intimate connection with your partner in less than 90 days? Yes. Sign me up. (laughs) Then you guys need to check out our online course, Spark My Relationship. It is an online course, like I mentioned, that we created with over 15 therapists and psychologists to bring you guys the strategies marriage therapists teach their clients. We talk about it on the show. Relationships take work. Sometimes they function pretty easily and you coast along. But we've found the reality is, is you have to do work sometimes and to make them better, to change them so that they're more satisfying for both partners. And you've made it here. You've made it to listening to our show. So you guys probably already know that a little bit. But what you might not know are the specific tools and exercises that you need to create those lasting and positive improvements in your relationship. And like Chase said, change does not happen on its own. It takes hard work. And that's why we created the course. Spark One Relationship is designed to infuse your life and relationship with fresh passion, skills, and wisdom. And it's a self-paced journey that's perfect for turning up the heat, having some fun together, and revolutionizing your intimacy and communication. And just some tools and strategies that the course includes is to how to eliminate unhelpful old habits, develop mindful awareness to help improve your stress management, learn healthy and successful communication tools, create a deeper and more intimate bond, and strengthen your couple microculture, which you will find out what that is in the future together. So for our listeners only, we're offering a special of $100 off the course. Visit Spark myrelationship.com slash unlock to unlock your discount. And there is a 30 day money back guarantee. So there really is no reason to not give it a try. So go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock for a hundred dollars off. Hi, Sabrina. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Sabrina, you are a family law attorney and someone that has a lot of firsthand experience dealing with families and couples at their worst, I'm sure, and hopefully sometimes at their best and around all things marriage, divorce, blended families, communication. So you have a unique perspective as someone on the ground, so to speak, and and seeing these things firsthand outside of typical therapy room. We often have therapists on the show. So we're excited to talk to you and dive in to get your perspective on these things and what couples should know when they prepare for marriage. So let's start with having you tell us and our listeners what you think is maybe one of the more important things or frameworks to think about as a couple is preparing to get married or even thinking about popping the question maybe. Well, um, Chase and Sarah, thanks again for having me today. And yes, I have seen my fair share of uh, successful relationships as well as those that uh, are not so successful. I've seen people at their absolute worst. And in my experience as an attorney dealing with a lot of different types of 
couples and people, whether it's, um, you know, newlyweds or long-term relationships, whether it's blended families or, you know, same-sex marriages, it's, it's all the same in that it's very important that both people have similar expectations. And I find that um, in relationships, when one person has an expectation that either is not conveyed appropriately or communicated effectively, then they're believing one thing and perhaps receiving another. And in, in my opinion, that's when couples and their um, status as you know lovers or you know interested parties or whatever it is uh, start to disintegrate and. Um, Communication is is key and not being afraid to express your expectations is very, very significant and crucial to the long-term sustainability of that relationship. When we're most disappointed is when our expectations are not met. So, of course, if if we have a certain expectation for how the marriage is going to look and it's not going that way, we can have conflict, but it's like, how do you expect your partner to know if you haven't shared it with them? So can you give some maybe real life examples that you've seen or ways that people can think about just understanding what their expectations are, if they're even realistic, and then sharing them with their partner? Sure. Well, you know, it's interesting because when when people are in love, you know, um, really at the early stage of the relationship, all the, the butterflies and the feelings of, you know, just that complete euphoria. Um, and I, you know, some people say that that's not necessary to have that feeling. Um, some people choose love based on, a you know, a, a more secure feeling or that um, deep-seated, that deep-rooted love um, that maybe perhaps developed first as a friendship and then those other feelings grew. What, whatever format your relationship initially took, it's very important that as your relationship moves on in time, that the two of you learn how to communicate with one another in ways that the other person can effectively hear you. And it's also important that you're not afraid to express whatever it is that you're thinking or feeling and not to make assumptions that the other person will just go along. For instance, you know, you hear a lot of times that a woman tries to change a man or, you know, when they're dating, if, if there's something that the man does that the woman is not, you know, too fond of, but she thinks, oh, well, I love him. I'm so in love you know, it'll change after we get married. Or, um, you know, if one party wants to have children and the other one doesn't, or even something so simple as a pet, wanting a pet or not, or moving, or religious beliefs, whatever it is, it's very important to express your desires and not to assume that the other person we'll just kind of go along with the program once you get married, because sometimes you're more entrenched in your, either your beliefs or your, or your feelings. Once you do get married and you're less likely to compromise perhaps later, because you know, Hey, 
you put a ring on it and you know, you're just supposed to go along with the program. Um, and so to answer your question more specifically, Chase, I think that uh, it's very important when discussing the children aspect. You know, one party definitely wants kids and the other one perhaps maybe not. It's very important to really set that expectation up front. And if typically it's the woman who wants the children and the man who sometimes not or goes along with it, um, or vice versa, but it, you know, don't always assume that your wife is going to want children. You, you know, you really have to talk about it. You know, the next in line I see is, um, you know, work and career and and how active the two people are in their careers, or the expectation of you know one of you staying home and not working or raising the children. Another one that I see a lot of is moving. You know, where are you going to live? Um, does is it fair to expect the other party to leave his or her family, you know, where they were raised to move for work? So there are a lot of these types of conversations that really should be had prior to walking down that aisle or whatever format you take to, you know, formalize that bond of matrimony. Do you have a framework that you recommend to your clients on how to begin these conversations and what questions to ask? Sarah, I don't have a framework. It really depends on the actual person and the couple and where they're coming from in terms of the level of intimacy that they have with their partner. You know, you'd be surprised. I, you know, I see couples who say that they're not that, you know, intimate in terms of their emotional maturity with the other person. You know, some people don't have these deep seated conversations or these or these in-depth discussions, whether it's about relationships or, you know, religion or spirituality or career. Some people just aren't that deep. And sometimes it scares people to peel off those layers and to talk about things. So when people come to me asking me for advice, I kind of take them from where they are, and then we go from there. But it starts with, first of all, getting clarity on not only who you are, but what you need and what you want in your life. Because sometimes the needs and wants don't always mesh. And oftentimes, people don't see themselves the way perhaps they're seen by their significant other. So it, it takes a lot of um, introspection in a way and, uh, and helping to work through their emotional um, maturity in a way. You know, if people have to be open to this type of discussion. If they're not open, it just won't work. And if they're not open, then they need to express that to their significant other as well. And, and, both people kind of have to be on the same page. You know, you meet someone at the same level of emotional maturity you are at. And oftentimes in marriage, one person outgrows the other. And that's why we see a lot of divorces because people nowadays are not invested to work through things together. And so they grow apart. Um, and it's, again, it all goes back to being able to communicate what you expect 
your couple to do with you throughout that marriage. It's such a basic thing, but it's it's hard to do. And just to understand where am I at? What are my expectations for myself and for my partner? And just objectively, and then measuring those and saying, well, are they realistic? And then sharing them with your partner. And, and like you said, a lot of people maybe don't even look at their own expectations, let alone share them. So if you're listening and you're scared to do it or you don't know where to start, would you give that person any kind of advice or maybe from the experiences that you've had with people divorcing, what happens when they're not sharing? Yeah, a- absolutely, Chase. It's important for that person to just kind of sit with him or herself and say, okay, um, first of all, do I love this person? And then do I like this person? And you also have to have a like and a love for yourself because if you're not happy and content with who you are on the inside, well, then chances are that you are going to be disappointed with your partner sooner rather than later. And um, you, you should really look at your life and where you want to go and, and get some clarity, like I said before, on really what you want. You know, there are so many changes in your 20s, you know, that, that people go through so many changes, you, you know, in your 20s and then in your 30s. I mean, a lot of times you're a different person in your 30s than in your 20s and 40s and 30s and 20s. I mean, there's so many changes. And that's why we see you know, second and third and fourth marriages these days because people aren't necessarily invested equally. So, you know, you want to ask yourself, is this someone that I can see myself building a life with? You know, is is this person a good partner for me? Is this person open-minded? You know, is this person someone who... um you know, will run away at the first sign of any kind of stress or adversity. I mean, you know, we all know life can be very, very hard and there are so many challenges in life. And when you're young, sometimes you don't really kind of get it all. You're just so infatuated and in love and, you know, you want that huge, you know, wedding or the, or the, you know, wedding that you've been dreaming about your entire life or you know you want to run away and elope whatever it is you know people have their own you know dreams and desires in their head and then sometimes it doesn't necessarily match up with the reality of their situation um and sometimes it's really hard to walk away from someone you love especially if they don't meet your needs you know you could really be in love with someone and and really truly love someone, but they might be making you feel a certain way that isn't necessarily good. And that feeling will only grow and grow and grow in time. And then there's really no hope. So it's really getting clear on you and yourself as a person and doing the hard work that that takes to peel off those onion layers, and then you'll be able to be that partner for the other person. And then you'll be able to discern 
whether that partner is right for you. So let's talk a little bit of logistics and legal matters. If someone is asking themselves all these questions, getting clear on their expectations, what they want, feeling good about that, and they're wanting to get married, either partner, and they're thinking about marriage, when should they start thinking about a prenuptial agreement? And can you talk a little bit about what those are and what they look like? Well, prenuptials, you know, for those of you who don't know, are really contractual agreements that two people enter into prior to marriage. And you can always do it after a marriage. Um, they're called postnuptials, but um, uh, they're typically not not done as as frequently. They're often done, you know, prior to a separation or divorce. But um, a prenuptial agreement is something that usually one party wants over the other. And it's usually the party that has the majority of the assets or um, has the potential of making a lot more money, whether it's from a business or an inheritance or, you know, something, you know, like a patent or a trademark that perhaps isn't, you know, fully developed yet. Um, But it's definitely... um, a bone of contention in many relationships that I see. And um, usually it's a deal breaker. It doesn't have to be. Um, And, you know, I find that again, people have to just be open to hearing the other person's perspective because, you know, it's like anything else in life. We have to be able to put ourselves in the other person's shoes to really be empathetic understanding why and you know why they want something or for what reason and once you hear the other person's perspective you have a little more understanding and sympathy perhaps in terms of why this should be done maybe it's family pressure you know maybe it's a second marriage and um you know the first one just botched all the finances you know there are a lot of reasons and um you know, it, it again, it takes that open dialogue and that honesty. What I see often is when the person who was asked to sign the prenup and was essentially forced, you know, or so he or she says later, many states uphold prenuptial agreements, especially if the other person went into it, you know, willfully with knowledge, you know, within another attorney's advice. And unless it's completely egregious or one-sided, they're usually upheld. It's like a contract. And down the road, when they're looking at divorce and they're staring at it in the face and they're looking at this prenup, like, oh my gosh, I've had three children with this person and I'm not getting anything. We've been married for 10, 15, 20 years or longer And I'm walking away with such little spousal support, such little marital assets. You know, you have to make sure you're counseled very, very, very well by a competent attorney prior to entering and signing anything of that nature. Before we continue on, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. After the year we had in 2020 and coming into 2021, it's definitely 
okay to talk about our mental health and happiness. Mm-hmm. It's one of the benefits, I think, of this whole time is that that's become a lot more of a part, focus. Yeah, of mm-hmm. the conversation. And we're not meant to keep everything inside and therapy helps. And we've talked about therapy on the show, but you still might be asking, what is it exactly? Well, it's really whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're struggling in your relationship or maybe you're super happy, but want to be proactive in your relationship and understand some tools that you might need in the future. Or maybe you just feel overwhelmed with life and need someone to talk to. Whatever you need, don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better today because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So if you don't want to see anyone on camera, you don't have to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really all about. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash I do. That's betterhelp.com slash I do. Today's episode is brought to you by Real Paper. Real Paper is bamboo toilet paper that does good and also feels good and is conveniently delivered to your door. Real Paper is made of 100% bamboo, making it the most sustainable, eco-friendly toilet paper on the market. Plus, all of their shipping materials are biodegradable and they use plastic-free packaging. A lot of you know that Chase and I try to live a very eco-friendly lifestyle from the cleaning products we use to composting our food to minimize waste. So when we heard about Real Paper wanting to sponsor our show, we were super thrilled to be working with a brand that we align with so well with our values. I am extremely picky when it comes to toilet paper. When I'm in Costa Rica, I will actually drive five hours to San Jose to get a specific brand of toilet paper. So when I heard about real paper and then actually felt how soft it was, I was so excited that I found a new brand that meets my standards and is also made sustainably. I didn't know this, but Bamboo Fibers actually make a much softer paper product than many recycled paper and wood fibers. And because of its very unique composition, bamboo is naturally designed for its strength. And another thing I love about the brand is that they give back. By purchasing real paper, you are supporting their mission to provide access to clean toilets to those in need around the world and also give American households a way to reduce their carbon footprint. So go check out realpaper.com and use the coupon code ADVICE to receive 25% off your first subscription when you order at realpaper.com. Again, that's real, R-E-E-L, paper.com and use the coupon code ADVICE for 25% off your first subscription. So I imagine when someone brings up Hey, I'd like to work on putting together a prenuptial agreement. My my first reaction would be like, well, are you planning on leaving? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I thought we're getting married. And I know that's not the case, but it's kind of a weird thing, right? It's like, hey, here's a legal document, like in case we split up, 
but I want to be with you for the rest of my life, but just in case. <laughs> so how would mm -hmm. you talk to someone about those seemingly opposite things? Yeah, it, Chase and Sarah, that's a tough one because so many people come to me with that exact question. You know, this is supposed to be for better, for worse, you know, till death do us part. And here I'm getting presented this prenup and he's supposed to love me. Um, or she's supposed to love me. You know, now we actually see a lot more women coming to the table with more of the financial stability and whether it's family money or, you know, her own income or just, you know, a lot of hard work um, with the assets they have, they bring to the table and they ask the spouse, you know, to be, to sign a prenup. And it's challenging because from a legal perspective, you know, we often... Um, in business, let's just say, you know, when you come together as partners in a business, you have a partnership agreement. You set forth the expectations right off the bat, whether it's an LLC entity or a corporation or an S corporation, you have bylaws, you have, you know, articles, you have, you know, the operating agreements and the materials to guide the members or the you know board of directors or whatever it is in that corporation throughout the life of that entity so i often explain it to people in this predicament that you know this is a very clear way of setting forth expectations in a marriage and if the prenup sets forth, you know, okay, that if we buy this together, then it's considered marital property. But if I buy this with my own hard-earned money, then it's mine, even after the marriage or throughout the divorce. If we have one child or two children or three, this is what I'm entitled to if we split. If, um, you know, one spouse is caught cheating then it's X amount added on to it. I mean, I've seen and I've written very set, clearly set forth uh, parameters, if you will, in terms of how that marriage is going to be looking. And if a divorce will be impending, then these are the rules that will be followed, you know, throughout the divorce if A, B, and C occur. Um, it can be pretty powerful. It can also be pretty, you know, um, stymieing. And, you know, the last thing we want is to create that, that void or that, you know, um, schism or whatever it is in the, in the couple. But oftentimes I find that it helps couples come together better. Um, because expectations, once again, are clearly set forth. The, the problem that I see is when, and typically it's the woman because she's the one typically that comes to the table with less financial backing, if you will. It's the woman who is more starry-eyed and more romanticizing of their relationship and thinks, oh my gosh, I'm just going to sign it. There's no way we'll ever get divorced. He loves me so much and I love him so much and we're just going to always be together. Well that's when trouble starts brewing because it's not a realistic 
or pragmatic approach really to any kind of relationship, whether you have a prenup or not. Um, so it's really getting real. It's really getting in the nitty gritty and it's really getting in the weeds. And sometimes that helps couples sort through things. I recently, um, right before the holidays, handled a very um, high profile prenuptial agreement and the two parties were not even communicating about it. And I thought that was very odd because, I mean, it's one thing to leave it to the attorneys to discuss, which they did, but I saw some red flags and I hope I'm not right. But when they can't even discuss between themselves the issues that they're digging their heels in with their own lawyers, and of course the lawyer is blaming you know, the client and then the client is blaming the lawyer. I mean, that's, that's never good. So it's important, very, very important to be as honest and open as possible when communicating. When you're having those conversations with your clients and you're planning the prenups, can you talk a little bit about respecting the other person and compromising so that it's less intense or less making the other person feel like they are not valued? You know, Sarah, that's <laughs> compromise is the number one. In, in addition to effective communication, I would say compromise is that among the top two or three um, qualities or characteristics that you really need to do and uphold and follow. Um, and, and, you know, couples, again, sometimes get so bullheaded and they don't want to compromise. But if, if your spouse-to-be is asking you to sign a prenup and you really, really don't, and you're just, it goes against every fiber of your being. And, you know, whether it's religiously or moralistically or what on whatever tenet that you believe, this is not something that you ever would want to do. It goes against everything you stand for and believe in. Then you really need to express that to your spouse. And then you need to set, for, set forth clearly why. Why are you not willing to sign it? And if your spouse-to-be cannot see your side of things, well, then that's a red flag that perhaps you two shouldn't even be getting married. Because if one party feels so strongly about something, you know, then that other party should honor that. Now, obviously, marriage and relationships, are it's all about compromise. And usually when one party doesn't feel so passionately about something, you know, then that's the party that usually compromises. But if one party is constantly doing all the compromising, well, then that's not a healthy or, you know, effective way to live. Because then you're going to just over time get resentful. And that resentment will turn to bitterness and hatred and anger and animosity and all those other emotions thrown in there. And once again, who wants that? So if it's something that you feel really strongly about, and if your spouse-to-be is not honoring that and is forcing you to sign the prenup, well, then perhaps you just need to walk away. 
prenup is important legally, and it's kind of like a filter to bring mm-hmm. these things to the surface if you're paying attention. Right. And, you know, I hear a lot of times too that, did you ask your spouse this? Or even in divorces, I am just sometimes shocked at the lack of communication that the two parties have done throughout their marriage. Um, you know, I tend to be pretty open and I make myself very vulnerable. And I think people are afraid of that. They're afraid of that vulnerability because they don't want to get hurt. Well, it's only in opening yourself up with all of that vulnerability and emotion. Can you really have that deep and everlasting love? You know, it's not about the surfacey like stuff, you know? I mean, it's, the deeper stuff is really where you want to get to. And, you know, I often say that, um, and I've heard this said before, um, you know, when, when couples have disagreements or, you know, when there's a major rift in their relationship, you know, you become so much stronger when you work through those problems or those stresses or those issues And the prenup is probably the tip of the iceberg with that. And if you can work through that on whichever way you end up, whether you have it signed or you, whether you don't, whatever you do, you know, when you come together um, and you bond through that adversity, it's like your skin having been ripped open when it scars over that skin with the scar is so much stronger than that original skin to begin with. And that's the building of a beautiful relationship. Can you talk a little bit about blended families and what couples should be talking about or discussing prior to getting married if they've already been married and have children from that previous relationship? Well, this is a one that I see a lot also. Um, typically with second marriages, when, you know, one or both parties, you know, have children, they are once again, you know, starry-eyed or blissful and they don't realize how much work it is going to take to make the children feel comfortable and safe. And um or of equal footing. And it ends up putting so much stress on the parents in addition to the children. So it's very important that the parties before they get married, you know, have time to cultivate the the family um, dynamic. And whether all the children are at home or um, maybe ones at school, you know, away in college, but those living under the same roof should be treated the same. If, you know, they're sharing rooms, well, then it's very important that the one parent doesn't favor his children over her children and vice versa. All the children should be seen as equals. And they should all be treated the same way. And the discipline style should be the same. What I often see is when there's a blended family that one parent 
disciplines his or her children differently than the other. And it should be very, very seamless. And the love should be across the board. Um, Oftentimes you see so much resentment in the children. But over time, if that love is there, you know, they'll settle in and they'll feel more comfortable. Um, Again, it's that it's the same, you know, kind of level of intimacy that we're working our families with and through that blended feeling of belonging is it's just, it's very important. And patience, patience and understanding because children are children and they need to see the love and to feel the love. It's, in my opinion, love is a verb and um, parents can't be lazy when it comes to showing love to their children. And I don't care if it's a stepchild or their natural born child, it's all one and the same and it should be. If they're marrying that person with children, then they're marrying their children. You said that you see the kids building up resentment sometimes. Why is that happening and how can that be mitigated? Well, when they're treated differently, uh, that resentment is built, is, you know, builds when that child feels that he or she is getting treated differently from the other child or children, or they're showing favoritism. Um, I see it a lot too with perhaps extracurricular activities or school. Let's just say one child goes to one school and the other goes to another. Uh, It's very important that whatever dynamic is, is involved, whether it's, you know, the private school or the public school or whatever, that the children are a part of those discussions, that you have family discussions, age appropriately, of course, in terms of, Again, here, here I go with expectations, you know, communicating, you know, this is going to be our new family. And, and I know this will be difficult in the beginning, um, but, you know, we are all trying to get along and, and be one. And, and I want you to express to me what it is that you're feeling, how you feel, um, you know, have that open dialogue with, with those children. And even one-on-one time, I always recommend that one-on-one time between the parents and the children. And it doesn't necessarily have to be with your own child. It could be with, it should be with the stepchild. Um, And there is going to be some uncomfortable times. There will probably be some pushback. Um, You know, and and I also, also see a lot where one parent who has children may have been alone for a long time with those children. So those children are used to having that parent all to themselves. And then once that parent gets involved with another person, well, then those children are resentful of that other parent for taking all their time away from their parent, you know, their mom or dad or what have you. And so they built up a ton of resentment against the step parent. And so that has to be worked through. The younger the children are, the easier those transitions are. Uh, there are so many studies on that. And the more, the, the older the children are, like in high school, it's, it's, a, it's a lot harder. That transition time is harder. So, um, because it's like people, right? You're set in your ways, you know, you have your own room, 
why am I moving? I don't want a dog or I do want a dog. You know, there's a lot of things that can come into play if one of the children has a lot of allergies and, you know, you know, doesn't like their friends or, you know, is, is the younger step sibling and bothering all their, you know, all the older kids all the time. I mean, there's, it's, it's like anything else. It's like an adult picture yourself going into an office with all these new strange people, you know, that you have to like share this community space with, you know, adults have the same issues. You know, you got to put yourself in the shoes of your children and stepchildren to really kind of see and sense what they may or may not be feeling. Um, and just be patient once again, you know, it, and, and show as much love. You're going to get a ton of pushback. And maybe you won't, you know, but I see more pushback more often than not. But just remember, you know, this too shall pass and just be patient and loving and kind. And it starts from the top. It's like leadership in any organization or even in government, right? Everything starts from the top. If the parents show the love and show the respect and the communication and show that level of really cooperation and compromise, well, then the children over time will start to feel that energy and that energy will permeate throughout the whole house. It's not going to happen overnight, but it will happen eventually if you maintain those strong levels of commitment to that end, peace and love and understanding. And again, love is a verb. (laughs) That is a great place to end this conversation and leave that statement with our listeners. It is a verb and it requires action. So thank you for all the great actionable tips that you've given us today, Sabrina. Before we wrap up, are there any things that we maybe skipped over or that you want to emphasize before we say goodbye? Well, one of the things that I would like to just mention to your um, listeners, I know some of them are preparing for marriage. And again, I think it's important to discuss with your, you know, soon-to-be spouse or your significant other, how does he or she feel loved? You know, we all feel loved differently. And, you know, a great book um, by Gary Chapman is The Five Love Languages. I highly recommend reading that book understanding what it is that makes you tick because what makes you tick isn't necessarily the way your soon-to-be spouse feels love. And there's so many types of, you know, there's five love languages. There's the words of affirmation, quality time, you know, giving and receiving gifts, acts of service and physical touch. And the way you give gifts or the way you give or show your love is really how it, it really shows how you like to receive it, but that might not be how your soon-to-be spouse feels love. So, you know, just be kind of mindful of that and um, just be open and as honest as you possibly can be. Well, we love that. The five languages is, uh, we talk about it a lot on the show. It's very important in a relationship. We actually have a whole lesson on the five love languages in our online course. So thank you for leaving us with that note. And then can you tell our listeners where they can find more information about you online? Absolutely. Um, Right now, I have my own page on the Cronin Law Firm page, and it's cronenlawfirm.com. 
And I'm also doing a new series uh, beginning March 16th on um, three different topics. There's empowerment and a couple's resolution and co-parenting. So if you're interested, please check that out. Um, They're Tuesdays and one of the uh, workshops is on Thursdays, but uh, I'd love to have anyone and everyone there. And if you're looking for one-on-one coaching, you can find me there as well. Wonderful. We'll have the links to your website and um, that series on the show notes and in the podcast description. And thank you so much again for joining us on the show. Thank you both so much. I wish you all the best. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show, guys. As always, the links will be in the podcast description as well as on the show notes on our website at idopodcast.com. And while you're on our website, we hope you guys check out our free 14-day happy couple challenge. Uh, It's a challenge where we send you a daily email for 14 days with easy, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And it's honestly just a whole lot of fun to do with your partner. It's something new and we think you guys will really enjoy it. So check it out. And while you're on the website, there are tons of free resources as well as more information about our online course, Spark My Relationship, where our listeners can get $100 off. So check that out. You can go directly to the course website at Spark myrelationship.com slash unlock. And that's where you can get the $100 off. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you next week. You were listening to a pleasure podcast. For more from our sex podcast collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.